0: Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. Startup CPG is a launchpad and community for small brands. We host interactive events and serve as a resource for insights and expertise to build a brand that's better for people and better for the planet. What is a co-man, co-manufacturer, or co-packer? These terms are sometimes used interchangeably. If you're a budding CPG with an epic recipe you want to get off the ground, should you consider partnering with a co-packer to save overhead? Turns out they can be super helpful in securing deals with your supply chain, but you can't just walk up to a co-man with your grandma's cookie recipe. There's a few aspects of your business you have to have figured out first.
1: There's a lot of similarities in in being prepared in approaching an investor as in being prepared in approaching a co-packer.
0: Matt Suggs is the founder of Partner Slate. And Matt walks me through everything I need to know if I ever want to get my shelf stable tofu scramble recipe off the ground and into Whole Foods.
1: <laughs> Instead of looking at them as just a third party service provider, you know, really try to build a relationship with them and a strong partnership.
0: We also talk about the different co manufacturing opportunities emerging as more innovative brands emerge. Thanks so much for joining me on this call. I'm uh, really excited to learn about the topic of co-packing, and I'd love for you to just give us an introduction.
1: Thank you so much for having me. My name is Matt Swaggs. I'm the CEO and founder of Partner Slate, and Partner Slate is an online platform that helps connect food and beverage consumer packaged goods or CPG brands with supply chain partners, most specifically contract manufacturers. Uh but we also have other service providers on there as well. So um whether it be designers to help brands with logo and packaging design or food scientists or product developers to help brands uh with formulation, as well as other consultants kind of um ranging across all areas of launching food and beverage businesses um, from sales and marketing to supply chain.
0: Got it. So we're going to be doing an episode about co-packers. And it sounds like your experience goes beyond just connecting people with co-packers. It's really like connecting people with the partners that they need to make their business succeed.
1: Correct. Yeah. But um, I will say the majority of the brands that come to PartnersLate are looking for co-packers. So that's definitely the the largest part of of it that we we work with.
0: Cool. Thanks. So what is a co-packer?
1: A co-packer or co-man or counter manufacturer in the food and beverage industry, the terms are kind of used interchangeably. But um, a co-packer is essentially an outsourced manufacturing or packaging partner. And I think, you know, the best way to explain it is take, take a granola bar company, for example. Instead of that company investing hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars in a, in, in their own facility with, you know, expensive equipment and a full staff to manage and run that equipment. Uh, they would outsource their production to a, to a co-packer to manage all of that for them. So, you know, in this example, a granola bar company would look for a co-packer that has uh, the capabilities and expertise to produce granola bars. They provide them with their proprietary formula and. Um, that co-packer would would basically produce produce that product to exactly their specifications and really become kind of the production arm of their
0: brand. Got it. Thank you. So I'm curious how you got into co-packing. How did you discover that there was a need to connect startups with co-packers and. What was your first touch point? How did you learn about co-packers for the first time? So,
1: a really good friend of mine was working for a food startup, a popcorn startup, and we were kind of talking about different challenges that he has in his uh, business, and and he was on the supply chain side or operations side, and he was just saying how it's just really difficult finding co-packers for our product. You know, it's just I waste countless hours of my day trying to find a new or second co-packer for our products, and. Um, It just seems like there's got to be an easier way. And that kind of sparked my interest a bit and started thinking, like, that's interesting. One, I didn't know that, you know, so many food and beverage brands outsource their production. And then two, if that's becoming a growing trend, why is it so difficult to find these production partners?
0: Thanks, Matt. So you were telling me exactly what a co-packer is, a granola bar company, not like spending millions of dollars creating their own facility, but rather working with a facility that already exists that's probably way bigger than they need and has some extra time, money, equipment to be able to produce the granola bar for someone else.
1: You know, a couple of the main reasons brands look look to co-packers is obviously the cost savings around not having, you know, the huge overhead of owning their own facility and, and staff, everything that comes with that. Um, but also, uh, country manufacturers will a lot of times have relationships in place with raw material suppliers, which will give them better insight and deals with uh, on raw materials um, than a brand might be able to get on their own. And then also, you know, by having A production partner that you can trust on that's really managing that aspect of the business gives founders and teams uh, the ability to focus on other parts of the business like sales and marketing which which is obviously really important for sure
0: and then they can allocate resources appropriately Mm -hmm. i'm curious matt why do you want to share this knowledge with the startup cpg
1: community you know there's thousands of food and beverage entrepreneurs entering the market every year and um, I think there's a bit of a, a misconception around there being a really low barrier to entry into starting a food or beverage business, which, I mean, there is, you know, anyone can produce a product in their kitchen and start selling it in a farmer's market. But, but once you get into really actually growing and scaling that business, it, it becomes really, really hard. So I think um, the more resources that are out there, the better to help these brands. And, um, you know, I think that's why, you know, I really like what Startup CPG is doing as far as, you know, offering you know additional resources to brands to help them scale and and then that's also a big part of what we're doing at partner slate is is you know providing brands with um the the knowledge that they need to help get their product launched, whether it's from educational content or helping them connect with with partners to, to help their businesses grow
0: awesome thank you so much matt and I want to go back to um, your first experience with the popcorn company. What were some of the major pain points connecting with co-packers that you were like, "Oh, there's something here. I want to explore that more."
1: My friend that, that was working at that popcorn company basically was just saying how you know he wastes hours of his day just scouring the internet, trying to find you know production, partners for, for their products or co-packers. And you know, realizing that there's all these co-packers out there, but they're not marketing themselves. Um, they don't have websites. They don't have...
0: They don't have a great SEO. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And, and and therefore, it makes it really difficult on the brand to, f- to find them. Some of that is by design, I think. Um, but at the same time, there's a huge gap.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so what is it people don't know about entering into a co-packing relationship? And when I say most people, I mean... The startups or brands that just start looking for copackers for the first time,
1: you know, I think just the way that startups look at a copacker and how it relates to their own business, I think um, you know instead of looking at them as just a third party service provider, you know really try to build a relationship with them and a strong partnership. and so um, you know, as I said before, that the copacker should really be a kind of a, another arm of your business that's managing production um in an ideal world that business is your business the brand will grow and, and hopefully that co-packer will grow with you um, and that's really what co-packers are looking for they're looking for brands that are they are going to be long-term partners so i think um, as you begin discussions with a co-packer you know make sure that you see that long-term partnership potential um, and, and and trust your gut and make sure that 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 it feels right
0: and so when might a company be ready to start working with a co-packer? Are there things they should already have in place before they even start their search? You know,
1: we have a ton of brands come to Partner State all the time that uh, are thinking they're, you know, they're ready for co-packer, and, and the truth is that they're they're likely not. Um, someone will come and say, "Hey, I've got this amazing cookie recipe from my great grandma, and you know, I, my friends told me I should sell it, and so I think I need to find a co-packer to produce it for me." And, you know, obviously the truth of that is that, that they're definitely, their first step should not be reaching out to a co-packer at that point. Um, you know, maybe they should start pro- producing that product at home or those cookies at home or in a commercial kitchen and then, you know, getting some sales at a farmer's market or at you know, online or at getting that product out into the market and getting those initial sales can can give a lot of insight into the brand and what it's going to take to, to grow at the business.
0: What are co-packers going to want to know first?
1: First question a lot of co-mans are going to want to know, or are- is the product in the market? Have you, do you have any sales? And then, if not, then has this brand or this entrepreneur at least done the research and preparation around building an actual business around this product? You know, are they thinking larger than just I want to get my my cookies produced and and sell them in stores? You know, are they thinking about you know what different sales channels are they going to go after? Have they thought about what the retail price will be and what that means for their target cost of goods sold? What is the volume projections for this run, for their next run, and for the rest of the year? You know, have they converted this recipe into a formula that can be produced in a commercial facility? Have they worked with a food uh, food scientist or product developer at all? You know, have they thought about packaging and so forth? So, you know, there's just a lot of different questions that I think brands can can bring into these first discussions with a co packer and be be much more prepared. I mean, I think um, if you're a startup, you're already at a bit of a disadvantage in finding a production partner to work with because you know they're, they'd be taking a risk by working with you. And so I think if you can be prepared to you know prove them that sure this is your first time, but you know we're the real deal, we're ready to succeed, and um, that will you know go a long way in helping you you know secure that partnership.
0: Oh, got it. So co-packers don't only work with startups; they work with Brands and and they bring products to fruition from companies of all sizes.
1: Oh yeah, co-packers work with brands ranging from tiny startups to the largest companies in the world. Nestle has a massive co-pack department. So, oh wow, um, yeah, it's in almost every you know very high percentage of all food and beverage brands do some sort of co-packing. Um, whether it's outsourcing production of their products to a third-party manufacturer or potentially using their own facilities to co-pack for other brands.
0: Got it. I think that's really that's pretty insightful to know. Okay, I have this epic tofu scramble recipe, and I just I can't just go give someone my money. And it's a much more nuanced relationship, and I gotta be more prepared and have I have shared this yeah. with more than just my friends who don't eat eggs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's kind of uh, the difference in, in you know, outsourcing the production of something in food and beverage versus other industries. And that, like I said, it's not really just a third-party service provider. It's really somebody that's going to become a, a big part of your business that you'll hopefully grow grow with um, as your business
0: grows. Sure. And when co-packers ask all these questions, why are they asking all these questions? Why does it matter to them? I mean,
1: Well, yeah, I mean, because the Copacker is a business as well, right? And they want to make sure that, um, that they're bringing on someone that's gonna, um, lead to the most success for them as well. So, you know, they, they want to make sure that, um, you know, brand and their products align with their own capabilities. You know, you know, a hot fill pasta sauce manufacturer is not going to take on a cookie client. you know, they they want to make sure the volume makes sense with how their facility set up. If they're a small scale bakery, um, you know, they're not going to produce eight million cookies in one shift and so forth. So, you know, it's just there takes a there comes a lot with making sure that that brand is a good fit for them and their facility, and um, and then also, you know, is this like you know, kind of going back to the partnership, is this is this a partnership that can grow? Beyond just this one production run, is this get something that's going to be a long-term revenue driver for our business that, that will hopefully lead to us being more successful?
0: Got it. Do you have any success stories that you'd like to share with us?
1: we've had thousands of brands come on a partner slate and we've had over 10,000 inquiries sent between brands and and manufacturers.
0: So it's it's a lot bigger than just giving someone some money. It's almost like when startups are looking at investors, creating pitch decks and answering specific questions, co-packers are investing in the long-term relationship.
1: Exactly. I mean, I think a lot of times there's there's a lot of similarities in, in being prepared in approaching an investor as in being prepared and approaching a co-packer um, because in the end, they, they essentially are making, especially if you're a small startup, they are investing in you a little bit in that they're likely not making any money off your first production run um, because it's going to be probably the, the low level of their minimum order quantities they're not really going to start making money off you until, you know, production starts ramping up. So that's why they it, you know it really is taking a bit of a risk on you and and that you are going to live past that first production run, right? Like it's t- it's taking a chance that you are going to fulfill be able to 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 grow beyond that first production run, even that second production run, and become a, an ongoing customer of theirs that's, that's hopefully growing.
0: Yeah, of course, because they have to invest time and resources into planning that production run. Exactly. What goes into that planning? Do you have a sense of, of what are the things that co-packers need to answer logistically before they work with a company or what are they thinking about?
1: You know, a lot of times before they bring on a new client, they're going to do a trial run with them where they'll take their recipe. And there's also a lot of work just up front before even getting to a production run is you know, reviewing your, their formula, the the ingredients that go into the production process, figuring out how that's going to work in their facility, um, then potentially running a trial run to make sure that, that the product can be produced in their facility to the client's liking. Um, a lot of times, some of that will will be out of the co-packer's pocket. It really depends on kind of the agreement you have with the co-packer. But other times, they'll charge the brand for that pilot run or some aspect of it. Um, but they're but they're likely not making money off of that pilot run. So you know, it might be just a break-even type of thing. And, Got it. And then yeah. so like I said, you know, they're really not going to start making their margin until you know, future production
0: runs. What are maybe the top three questions? Companies should make sure that they have in place before they start looking for a co-packer. One,
1: I, you know, I think, knowing your volume—you um, know, what is the volume of this this production run—and then also, you know, what are your volume projections for the rest of the year? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a big question for co-packers. Um, two, you know, do you know you know the production process and packaging of your product? So, do you know how your product is produced? Not only at home, but also what what equipment it would probably need in a in a in a, um, a larger production facility, and then two same same goes for packaging. Do you have the exact idea of what your packaging is and how it's packaged in a larger facility? I mean, you know, those two are are big important ones, and then
0: yeah, because they don't want to be doing the research for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and um and just making sure that it's also a good fit for them. Um,
0: sure,
1: you know, making sure that they have the equipment that you need. And then, and then beyond that, it's really just business questions as far as like, like I said, making sure that they feel comfortable When you as a business. Have you thought through some of the other aspects of, of growing this, this business where, you know, what sales channels do you go into? Um, you know, is, what's your MSRP? Have you thought about a target cogs cost so that they could, you know, that production partner can, can try to hit that target cogs, um, or are able to hit that target cogs? And I guess that's
0: kind of it. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's, I mean, this is really informative. And especially for some of our listeners who want to start a brand and they've got this great recipe that they've been cooking at home for a few years and their parents are telling them and their friends are telling them, you have to sell this. This is really helpful stuff. Okay. So now someone's listening. Me. Got this amazing tofu tofu scramble recipe (laughs) ready to go. I've like figured out exactly how to make it shelf stable, Uh, but I'm I probably haven't quite answered all of those questions. What would you suggest I do in the meantime if I'm not ready?
1: I think um, getting sales is definitely the most important thing. Um, You know, because you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot from you know one. Is a customer even willing to buy, you know, pay for this product? (laughs) And two, you know, what's their feedback going to be? Are they going to be a repeat buyer and so forth? And, um, and then also, you know, just getting a product in the market, you're, it's forcing you to, on the production side, to produce this product in, you know, more volume than just the one or two or five, you know, units that you've made at your, at your home. So, um, that will help you kind of learn what does it take to actually produce this at a little bit more volume sure it's not the volume we're going to hit in with a co-packer but you know working in a commercial kitchen you'll get an idea of, of you know producing it at a little bit more volume than, than you have in the past and and what pain or growing paints come along with that um, and those will all be learnings that you can then take to your your co-packer um, and tell them you know when i'm producing this in my commercial kitchen these are some of the issues i hit along the, the process and so and then also i mean i think so working at commercial kitchen is great. You know there's also tons of like awesome incubators and accelerators out there that can really help you you know get launched. Um, so a lot of them are commercial kitchens um, that they kind of act as both, and they have advisors and resources there that can that can kind of help guide you along the way.
0: Oh, yeah, in the Bay Area, I know kitchen town is one. i was I'm curious what are some uh, commercial kitchens that you've seen cool businesses grow out of in your area? You mentioned you're down in San Diego.
1: There's also, um, in San Francisco, the the WeWork Food Lab.
0: Yeah, Food Labs. Mm -hmm.
1: That's done really cool stuff. And then there's a lot throughout um, the country. Uh, I believe there's the Hatch in Chicago. SKU is one in in Austin. So there's a a number of them that are really, really good and can be really helpful for for entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much. And then you were also going to share, once you've kind of, you've worked through your own kinks at a commercial kitchen, and that's really helpful for establishing a relationship with a co-packer?
1: You know, relying on, um, you know, outside help, you know, leaning in on advisors, looking at, you know, industry consultants. There's a lot of consultants out there, especially on the supply chain side, that can be really valuable when it comes to um, starting discussions with a co-packer or, you know, your first or second co-packer and making sure that things go smoothly. You um, because, you know, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of moving parts, but there's a lot of industry experts out there that, that help brands kind of get from, from zero to one.
0: Yeah. And, and that's what PartnerSlate is included in that. Tell us a little bit more in depth what PartnerSlate does and how you go beyond just being a database.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, obviously um, the PartnerSlate platform is there to make it easier for for brands to, one, find obviously counter manufacturers. Um, we have a Pretty in depth search platform to make it easier to, to filter by, you know, capabilities, certifications that you might be looking for in a facility, uh, geographic location, um, so forth. And then, and then the ability to, to review kind of more information and get more insight into that manufacturing facility through their profile. You can then inquire with them uh, through the platform and, and open the communication that way as a lot of manufacturers don't really have or post. You know, their, their sales emails and so forth on their, on their website. So it's a good way to be able to get you know, direct contact with the, with the manufacturer. Um, we also have, as I mentioned, uh, additional service providers on there through our business services side. Um, that includes a number of consultants across, you know, everything from sales and marketing to uh, quality to supply chain management, whether it's helping you, you know, find that first co-packer or setting up a contract with that co-packer. Or uh, managing your procurement for you, you know, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times a co backer will manage procurement for you, but sometimes they won't, and so it's on the brand to make sure that they're sourcing the right ingredients, right packaging, and managing the inventory correctly. And a lot of times, you can you can um, hire an outside consultant who's done it before to do that for you, and we've got a lot of those on partners That's
0: awesome. And I'm curious. What kinds of brands does Partner Slate, what are the majority of your companies like? Are they granola bars, cookies, baked goods, popcorn? Are you noticing a particular trend in the companies you work with? Or is it kind of just across the board all kinds of different companies?
1: Yeah, so it's it's actually really cool. We get to we definitely get to see insight into some trends in the industry because we get to see how the brands are coming on a partner slate and and you know what they're looking for and so forth. And um we have brands ranging across pretty much every single food and beverage category across business size as well. So going from startups to you know the big the big legacy brands um using it and looking for new co-packers in some capacity. So um definitely a wide scope. But yeah we get to see a lot of trends come through. I mean I think you know a couple of years ago obviously the beef jerky trend saw a ton of a ton of jerky brands this year we've seen a number of keto brands. Um, obviously CBD has been a big one, um, which is kind of an interesting area because there's, there's not as many co-packers. They're starting to kind of move into that area of CBD, uh, THC is another one, you know, definitely not many co-packers that are willing to work with that kind of a specialized area. So that's something we're looking into kind of breaking out. Yeah. I mean, within each you know category, there's, there's, there's a number of different trends, whether it being kombucha or, or. Um, immunity shots or what. Or, or so um, it's pretty cool to be able to kind of have insight into into the industry and, and what's happening.
0: Oh, for sure. Have you witnessed any really interesting partnerships you were able to facilitate you might not have expected or wasn't so obvious?
1: Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because a lot of times, because manufa- you know, food manufacturers are so specialized in what they do and they really do what they do really well. And so uh, a lot of times they're not willing to, you know, kind of go outside their scope. So if they produce granola bars, then that's what they produce and um, and that's what they'll continue to produce. But I think what we are seeing is it's because of so many small and emerging brands coming into the industry and, and growing so well and co-packing, I think growing as a whole, we're seeing more and more smaller facilities popping up that are willing to work with startups. So, you know, I think if you looked at it five years ago, there was... Way less co-packers in general, but significantly less co-packers that are going to, that are going to be able to work with small companies. And so now we're seeing, you know, these manufacturing contra manufacturers that are really kind of calling themselves product developers. You know, they're, they're helping brands really get their first product launched and they're producing it for them in their facility, but they're also kind of holding their hand and being their advisor along the way, which, which definitely wasn't the case. Um, several years ago at all. You know, it was even more so separate separate from, you know, the startups and the, the more established companies.
0: Yeah, of course. We're also curious, how is the shift of COVID-19 impacting co-packer relationships? Are there changes in minimum requirements, uh, anything that startups should be aware of during this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a really interesting time. Um, I think on the manufacturing side, it, it's kind of it's broken out into, um, you know, you've got some manufacturers that have existing larger customers that all of a sudden have seen massive spikes in demand with, with the, um, you know, the bulk buying that's been happening and so many people, you know, grocery shopping. Um, and therefore those co-packers are, you know, at max, max plus capacity trying to keep up with, with the demand of their existing customers. The other side of that is a lot of co-packers will, not only just don't just have retail customers, but they also have food service customers. So, um, you know, I talked to a, a manufacturer the other day who said about 75% of his um, client base was food service and then 25% was CPG. And, and so now, obviously, he's, he's trying to shift the other way, right? Because all of that food service basically came to a halt. So, um, wow. those, you know, so there are those manufacturers out there that now all of a sudden have a lot of capacity. And so the good news for brands is that there is capacity out there. Um, and so, you know, if they're looking for a you know, new or second production partner, um, it could potentially be a good time to, to find one um, because there's definitely co-packers that are looking for new clients. And I think also for brands that are already working with a co-packer, It's probably smart to, you know, potentially line up or at least done some initial research on what a backup production partner might look like and, you know, at least having those conversations just in case something were to happen at their at their current facility.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think that all of the all of the information we covered in this episode is probably a really good refresher too for brands that already have co-packers and want to look for a backup and rethink what sharing their production with a new co-packer might look like. Yeah, absolutely. This is a pretty informative episode and I'm so grateful for your time, Matt. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and expertise and valuable insight about uh, building a relationship with a co-packer and, and what brands need to know ahead of time before entering into that search.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks thanks for having me on. And
0: My pleasure. Matt, how can people get in touch with you uh, if they're ready for a co-packer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just go to partnersate.com and you can get started that way. You can get signed up. It's free to get signed up and then um, you'll be able to kind of have some insight into into the platform and how it works. And yeah, shoot us an email if you have any additional questions. All of our contact information is on there. We also have a chat feature that you can chat with, with a member of our team and hope, hopefully we can, we can help you find that production partner.
0: If you like what you heard and you're interested in learning more, sign up for our newsletter at startupcpg.com. Our newsletter lists all of our events. You can get involved by joining a Zoom happy hour. We also announce each new podcast as we release them through our newsletter. And we also share industry insights from the Startup CPG community. So you can learn more at StartupCPG.com. We definitely want to have you involved. We have an active online community and... These networking events are really fun. So perhaps you're even our next podcast guest or you meet your next business partner.